0: Late, uh, I worked really late on Wednesday, and so uh, I got in bed about 12.30, and uh, I was shocked uh, at about five, 5.30 that morning, the Thursday morning, as probably you were as well. Uh, I woke and uh, looked out the window, and it looked kind of orange outside. You know, it was a weird color uh, of the, the sky, and, and then we got this wind, Right. I mean, if you're on the east side of town, you got this wind, and, uh, and I saw, walking back on Broad Street yesterday, I saw a lot of trees and limbs down. Mar Park apparently had several uh, trees come down. It was what uh, climatologists, meteorologists call a uh, microburst, they think, or uh, a severe instance, short term of wind. Uh, you know, and it made me think about the wind. We, we don't think about wind unless it gets really out of hand, do we? Uh, but it's something that's necessary for life. It's necessary for pollination. It's necessary for uh, the, the blowing of, of water. It, the, the wind is something we need, but we don't ever think about. It. I would say a lot of us perhaps fall into that trap sometime with thinking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit, I think, is the forgotten member of the Trinity. Uh, the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential Part of the Godhead Uh, the Holy Spirit has a unique identity and personality and yet we don't think about the Holy Spirit very often in fact sometimes maybe because we've seen uh, excess things scary things that were attributed to the Holy Spirit by uh, someone we are a little afraid of the Holy Spirit we don't we don't want to be too close to the Holy Spirit Yet, the Holy Spirit's absolutely essential. You know, as I was praying and thinking about what we need to to think about as a church over the next six months, uh, I became convicted that more than ever, uh, do we need the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives? More than ever, do we need the Holy Spirit's power in our lives? Uh, Let us, over the next few weeks... Understand better the Holy Spirit. Let us, over however many years we have left of life, let the Holy Spirit lead us to be his powerful witnesses in kingdom here on earth. That's my goal as we talk about the Holy Spirit, as we learn about the Holy Spirit uh, through the next few weeks. To begin today, uh, kind of an introductory uh, sermon, I want us to look at several different scriptures that talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the personality, in a sense, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we begin today by really thinking about the sovereignty of the Spirit. Uh, the, so- the Spirit cannot be caged up. The, the Spirit cannot be boxed in. The, the Spirit cannot be bottled up, if you will. We learn about that in John chapter 3. The John chapter 3 talks about the wind of the Spirit. The wind of the Spirit. We're going to look at John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. But this whole conversation is fascinating. Uh, Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, comes to Jesus at night. He is secretly interested in, in this man who claims to be the Messiah. Now, as a Pharisee, his public position has to be, uh, we don't like him. He's blasphemous. But he comes to him by night, and he has this conversation, out of which comes John three sixteen, which we all know. Uh, but John 3, 5 through 8 is what we want to look at today as we begin thinking about learning about the Holy Spirit. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. That is, they're baptized by water, and they also have... The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This gives us some very important teaching. Now, I want to tell you in this verse, these verses, when it talks about wind... And it talks about spirit. It's actually the same word in Greek. Uh, the word in Greek is pneuma. And we get pneumatic drill. An air powered drill. Uh, we get pneumonia in our English. Uh, disease of the lungs. You see this word did triple duty actually. Pneuma in Greek. It could mean wind or breath or spirit. Depending on the context. And what it says to us is we can learn a lot about the Holy Spirit, this unique personality and part of the Godhead. We can learn about the Spirit through understanding and seeing the wind. You know, the wind is invisible, isn't it? Uh, You can never see it, per se. You can only see its effects. Likewise, he says here uh, that the Spirit has to be a part of the conversion process, the Spirit has to be a part of you turning from the natural life, the flesh led life to becoming a spiritual being, but you 're not going to be able to see it the The work of the holy Spirit will will happen in its own time. The work of the Holy Spirit happens upon each person at different times and often in different ways, and you can' actually see that spirit working on and in a person, but you can see the effects. That's what he's saying. And Nicodemus is confused, as maybe you are. So I want to look at some other verses that talk about the Holy Spirit, and and let's see what what needs to happen in this conversion process of the Spirit's work. The descent of the Spirit is talked about and really begins the church in Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 1 Jesus has gone he's died and been resurrected he spent his time with the disciples and and before he leaves them he says you need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you and then there's a period of time until Pentecost which was a Jewish harvest festival you can read about it in the book of Deuteronomy a Jewish harvest festival now it's a big festival people came from all over uh, Jerusalem to, uh, they, from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate this great Jewish feast and holy day. And, and they would come together from all nations, it tells us in Acts chapter 2. And on, in Acts chapter 2, as we begin with verse 1, we see that this Pentecost is going to be far different than any that have come before. This Pentecost represents a turning point in the People who are led by and influenced by the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Before, in the Old Covenant, God lived in a temple in the Holy of Holies. He had his presence there. But in the New Covenant, instead of God living in one specific place, instead God would come eventually to live in all of the people who believed in him, who accepted him. Each person would become a temple. It all begins on Pentecost, this Pentecost. Acts 2, 1-4 through says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind uh, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separating came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I've told you this before, but I really want you to think, why haven't movie makers made this scene? This must have been really something. I mean, Thursday morning was memorable for me, just coming out of a sleep and how that, that wind was blowing so hard and, and the sky looked so odd, but... But this is far beyond that. The Holy Spirit descends, and the Holy Spirit comes down and comes to each of these disciples who are gathered. And it gives them a unique gift on this Pentecost Sunday. Now, I've told you, people from all over, Jewish people from all over have come to Jerusalem. And they didn't have in those times, uh, like we have today with our technology uh, translator software. Uh, they, they didn't have those little earphones you can put on like they have in the United Nations and, and you can understand what the speaker's saying in your own tongue by technological means. No, in those times, all these people with all the different languages they spoke were in Jerusalem in this place. And, and the scripture says that because the Spirit comes that all of those people can hear one message, they can hear the truth. All of those people could hear the message and respond to it. In, in a sense, the Holy Spirit comes down and has an influence on all who will uh, be there, who will listen and be affected by Him blowing as it will. And to those that receive Him, there can be unification. To those that receive Him, our differences no longer are so important as that spirit which draws us together. Little did I know when I planned these sermons a few weeks ago that we would have a week like this in our country. It's a sad thing to see people divided to the point where there is bloodshed and even death. What can bring us together? I believe nothing but the Spirit of God. I believe nothing but the church being the church led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I believe we must be in the forefront of not being dividers, but uniters. I believe... That just as on Pentecost Sunday, all of these people came together from their different places with their different personalities and their different exteriors and their different languages. And they were brought together to be united in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so I believe we, we who hear the name, we who bear the name, must, must embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We all came from the same place. Just as every person, no matter the color of their skin, had the same red and white blood cells, have the same needs and hurts, joys, and fulfillments. Once we were blind... Those of us who are now Christians, but now we can see. Once we were condemned, now because of Jesus we are forgiven. Once we were dead, now we are alive. Once we were captives of Satan, now we've been set free. Once we were bound for hell, now we're going to heaven. Once we were helpless, now Christ lives in us. Once we were hopeless, now we have hope in God. Once we were without understanding, now we have the mind. Of Christ. But I tell you what happens is it's easy for us within a month or a year or ten years, it's easy for us who have been Christians for a time uh, to then look at those who don't know Christ yet and be judgmental and discriminatory, isn't it? Without the Holy Spirit. See, I think the Holy Spirit's blowing and, and sovereignty if we allow the Spirit to fill us and to lead us, then we remember that we all once were dead and blind. And it is not by our doing that we're saved. It's by the grace of God. We are all in the same place without God. We can be all in the same place with God. And and Peter goes on to preach a sermon here on Pentecost, preaching to the people And telling them basically what I've just said, that that without God, you are dead. Without God, you're destined for punishment. There is not a person here who can be good enough to be accepted by God because of the sin problem. But yet, Jesus came, and Jesus lived and died, and now Jesus provides a means for you to be saved from your sin if you will confess and repent. And then we see the filling of the Spirit the filling of the Spirit, then we see what for me is foundational verses of how we have this conversion from flesh to spirit, how we have this conversion from dead to life. The filling of the Spirit, Acts 2, 37, 38. Back, do you have those verses? Yeah. When the people heard this, this is at the end of Peter's sermon, and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And listen, very important. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of that's important in the conversion process. Repent. Understand your sinfulness. Confess it. Repent of it means change your mind and then change your direction and be baptized, be immersed into water by your own belief, your own confession, your own repentance. And you receive two things, the forgiveness of sins, that is you're reconnected back to God, your sin no longer separates you from God. The forgiveness of sin and what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What that tells me is, as we respond to the working of the Spirit, as we respond to the blowing of the Spirit that works in conviction, as we make those responses of confession and repentance and belief and are baptized, then through that process, God brings to live within us the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is absolutely what we need. But the problem is, even though you look back at your baptism and you you were filled with the Spirit, then you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have the capacity to not allow the Spirit to lead you, to not allow the Spirit to fill you. I think because we're uncomfortable with things we can't see, we perhaps don't allow the Spirit his full reign in our lives. D.L. Moody was preaching to a large audience, and he held up a glass, and he said to the the audience, "Uh, how can you drive the air out of this glass? How can you drive the air out of this glass? One person said, well, you get a vacuum and suck it out. Well, that process would cause the glass to explode. And then after people looked at him, like you're looking at me for a while, like, I don't know, how do you get the air out of this glass? He pulled out a pitcher of water, and he poured it into the glass and filled it up to the top. And he said, so many of us try to live a Christian life by sucking out a sin or two, dealing with a fault or two, Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to displace all of those fleshly temptations and failings. I think think our problem in living the Christian life is that we don't live it fully. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and fill us every day. I will tell you, I begin every day by saying, Lord, let me get out of the way. Let your spirit fill me and lead me today. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. In Ephesians 3, 19, Paul prays for the Ephesians in this way, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How are you filled With God, how do you have a fullness of God? It's through his Holy Spirit living inside of you where you're yielded and surrendered to him. He picks up and returns to the theme a couple chapters later in Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, why is he saying it's a command? Be filled with the Spirit when they already have the Spirit. It's because even after we've become Christians, after we've been converted, we so often get distracted. We so often fill our lives with other things. And here he picks out one, we get drunk on wine. But I think we have all kinds of ways we try to fill that place that only God can truly fill up. Without the water of God, The Spirit of God displacing all those other things. We never live in the fullness of God. We never experience all the riches that God has for us in Christ. That's why we need to think about the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to understand and I believe live in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's the last thing I want to talk about today the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You can hear me today and, and you can say those are nice words, those are true, but until you feel, until you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit yourself, until you say, I will give my life completely to God and the Spirit flowing through and living in me, instead you make the decision, unless you make the decision every day that I'm going to be filled with, led by the Holy Spirit, friends, it's going to be frustrating it's not going to be all that you need it to be. You see, we need the wind of the spirit to blow through our hearts. We need the wind of the spirit to replace fear with faith. We need the wind of the spirit to replace anger with forgiveness. We need the spirit to replace doubt with hope. Any of us have doubts. Any of us have anger? Any of us have fear? We need the Spirit working in fullness to replace anger with love. We need the Spirit replacing judgment with grace. We need the Spirit replacing bitterness with trust, pride with humility. We need the Spirit to replace envy with kindness. We need the Spirit to replace cowardice with courage. We need the Spirit to replace impatience with perseverance. We need the Spirit to replace harshness with compassion and selfishness with generosity. How long have we in this country been talking about our race problem? Perhaps we've been going about it the wrong way. Perhaps we haven't understood it's a spiritual problem. It's the lack of the spirit. We need to be convicted. And know, Jesus said... When he left, he would send the Spirit, the counselor. And the Spirit would do three things. Read about it with me in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 11. But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. That is, you're grieving because I said I'm leaving. I'm going to die. And you can understand that. But Jesus says, this has to happen. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he did through Pentecost, the descent of the Spirit. And then through each person's decision to confess and repent and be baptized, the Spirit came to fill. I will send him to you. When he comes... Here are three things he's going to be doing on an ongoing basis. He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit will work to help people understand those things. Sin and righteousness and judgment. He goes on about sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Righteousness I've told you before is living right living before God. That is living like God wants you to live. The Spirit's filling will do that. Sin does not end after you become a Christian. Doesn't take long for you to figure that out. Temptation will always be our companion. But I think the Holy Spirit as we allow him to lead us, convicts us, even Before we respond to sin, to temptation by sinning, the Spirit convicts us, and then judgment. You see, when you understand it's the Spirit who judges and and God who's the ultimate judge, it takes off you that responsibility to be judgmental yourself, discriminatory yourself. God will sort it out. God needs his people to be filled with his spirit more than ever. See, I think we are living in a sense much poorer than we have to. I think we, if we don't embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if we don't allow the Spirit to lead us and fill us every day, we are living as paupers when God wants us to live as princes and princesses. During the Depression, There was a sheep farmer down in West Texas named Yates, Mr. Yates. And Mr. Yates, his tough times, he wasn't able to make enough on his ranching operation to pay the principal interest on the mortgage, so he was in danger of losing his ranch. With little money for clothes or food, his family, like many others, had to live on government subsidy, that is, the government paid them, or they wouldn't have been able to provide for themselves. Day after day, he grazed his sheep. On these rolling hills, he was greatly troubled that he had to take the government's help. Then a seismographic crew from a company came, and they told him there might be oil on his land. They asked permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed a lease contract. At a little little over 1,100 feet down, they hit an oil reserve. A huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Many subsequent wells had more than twice that amount. In fact, 30 years after the discovery, a government test of one of the wells showed it still had the potential flow of 125,000 barrels a day. And Mr. Yates owned it all. The day he purchased the land, he received the oil and mineral rights. Yet, he had been living on welfare. A multimillionaire living in poverty. The problem? He didn't know the oil was there, even though he owned it. Many Christians live in spiritual poverty. We're entitled to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and His energizing power, but we are not even aware of this power source, this source of wisdom, this source of conviction within us. You see, God needs to convict us, and then he uses us to be his messengers to convict others. I want to close a little differently today. I want us to, if you're able, I want us to get on our knees and pray. Let's get on our knees and pray. If you're able, if not, that's okay. I'll lead us in prayer. Standing Lord, we often think we can do it ourselves. But on our knees, we know we need help. On our knees today, we confess to you that we try to do things our own way, in our own power, that we often ignore the presence, the power of your Holy Spirit sitting within us. I pray, beginning this day, that your church your sons and daughters would live in the fullness of the spirit let us be out front in bringing reconciliation to our nation let us be out front in bringing the truth of your gospel to people who don't know and haven't accepted you yet maybe today there's one or more who haven't made that decision who haven't responded as they did in Acts chapter 2 by repenting and being baptized if today is the day of salvation make it so but let us be your witnesses let us be your people leading fueling the Christian revolution blow spirit blow Blow on us in power. Blow through us as we go through our lives. Help us not to be embarrassed by your presence. Help us not uh, to be unsure of our birthright. Help us instead to surrender and be filled with the Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. From your knees you get to your feet ministry time as you have perhaps a decision to make if you have never become a Christian we'd love to help you with that today if you want to join us here formally at Northside we'd love to help you with that but it's I think a multi-part invitation I'm talking about today I'm not talking about just today Over these next six weeks, I am convinced a revival can be started in this place. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit is more needed than ever in this place, in this country. And I think it can start with us. Let's sing together.